Amen. So uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit about I, I do a daily Facebook posts. Of course, you all like the pictures better than I've never seen nothing like that in my life. You know, I do my diligence, you know, little preacher woman trying to feed the flock of God. And the minute I throw some neck bones on there, y'all jumped all over that. You know, it's like, ooh, like, 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 like. I said, where all these people come from? I never, I never knew I had such friends that would respond that way. You know what I'm saying? I throw my little, my little dirty rice, low down dirty rice and neck bones on there. People go berserk. Give them the words. Yeah, I don't know about that. I even get people make comments. Some man on there talking about women ain't supposed to preach. I told him, I said, well, just keep reading the post. You'll find out if I'm preaching or not. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, I like people like that. <laughs> My day is made when I can get somebody out of ignorance into. So then I went on his page and I saw he got all kind of uh, uh, dancing women. I said, oh, I see no why you don't like women preachers. You just think we nothing anyway. I said, get that stuff off your page. You're supposed to be a Christian man. Haven't heard from him since, but that's my friend. Them the kind of friends I have. <laughs> so, but praise God for it anyway. Praise God. So we're going to talk today about something I did post this week, and that is whatever God conceives will live. Whatever God conceives will live. There are some things. Miss Tina, come up here because you know God has a word for you now, don't you? See? You show up here and you think you're just going to come incognito. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And the Lord calls you woman of God. Woman of God, the Lord says, I have called you to make a difference. I've called you to make a great difference, says the Spirit of God. And God says, you still have a love for my sheep. You still carry a love for my people. You still carry a burden for what you know to be ignorance among people. That you could enlighten them. And your heart longs to enlighten many. Says that you want to have a big impact. Says the spirit of God. And the Lord is saying just watch. I'm guiding you and I'm leading you into a a season of preparation. Like you have never been prepared for before. A whirlwind of preparation. Says the spirit of God. And out of this preparation will be birthed what you have envisioned for so many years, said the Lord. What I have shown you in the secret place, what I have shown you in, in uh, bits and fragments, here a little bit, there a little bit. I have shown you many things about me, says the Lord. And I've shown you how easy it is to impart knowledge and wisdom to hungry hearts, says the Spirit of God. And I will have people contact you that have that hunger, says the Lord. And you will feed them in many ways, says the Spirit of God. You will feed them individually. You will feed them in small groups. You will feed them in large groups, says the Lord. For this is an hour, says God, where I am gathering women soldiers together, says the Lord. And I will band you together with those of like precious faith and like mindedness to see women grow up and mature and become what I have called them to be. Not what the world calls them, but what I have called them to be. And I am putting you in this place, says the Lord. And fear not about anything, says the Lord. I know the things that go through your mind. What about this? What that? that? Uh, 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 uh. 
I've taken care of all of that. So let me do this, says the Lord. Just watch me and see what I do with you, says the Spirit of the living God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. All right, sweetheart. Okie doke. Amen. Praise God. <coughs> Praise God. Amen. So we have that on the tape for you, too, uh, uh, Miss Tina, and we'll make sure you get it before you leave today. So, praise God. Amen. Amen. So, whatever God conceives will live. Huh? Whatever he conceives will live. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. So, in Exodus chapter 1, if you'll turn there, <clears throat> you'll see a, a uh, situation now in Egypt when we left off in Genesis, for those of you who follow and understand the the uh, chronology of things joseph was prime minister of egypt and he was placed there because god put life and purpose into him and even though that purpose was fought and almost thwarted god saw the purpose come through he always sees it come through if we will stay faithful to god he will stay faithful to us and he will have his way in the things that that concern us and so joseph is we always talk about that it's from the pit to the palace in one day well yeah it's one day but it's a lot of years in preparation and making and so as joseph is is getting favor in Pharaoh's court, the nation of Israel is the recipient of that favor as well. Years have gone by now, and there's a different Pharaoh, and he doesn't know Joseph. And how many of you know that people, when things, governments change and people in offices change, oftentimes there is a change of, of uh, vision, there's a change of rules and laws and things of that nature, such that <clears throat> the nation of Israel was despised now because they seem to multiply quickly. Whenever a minority seems to multiply, it gets to be a threat to the people in charge. You got me? And so they began to multiply and increase. And so the the Egyptians tend to look at them now with disfavor as potential enemies. They said if war ever breaks out, these people could turn against us and not be for us, but against us. And so the new Pharaoh devises a way to stop this process. But God, remember that all of the children of Israel have a divine mandate on their lives and a divine prophecy over their lives. Whenever there is a divine prophecy over your life, that prophecy will guide your life. I don't care what you think you can do, what you get tired of doing, what you wish you could do differently and what you don't want to see happen. That prophecy will guide your life. Many times you you get in prayer lines and people speak over you. Those things are guiding your life. You don't just take them to file them and and go about doing what you used to do. You can expect that word to catch up with you at some time. Amen. It'll catch you on a street corner when you least suspect it. It'll catch you in the midst of making plans to do something else. But that word will chase you and run you down and over. You might as well embrace it and work with it. Rather than having it working against you all the time, you can't embrace it so that it can work for you and you work with the word of God. And so in this instance, there is a prophecy over the nation of Israel. They are yet to set up the laws for their nation. They are yet to set up their priesthood. They are yet to set up all of the things that God has spoken over them. And God intends to see those things happen. He is not going to sit by 
and let some king or some pharaoh murder all of his inheritance just because they think that's the the thing to do. And so in the midst of this, God sets forth a plan. So in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 9, verse 8, it says, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the children are Israel uh, of Israel are more and mightier than we are. Mightier is a matter of opinion. You see, whenever there's great numbers, people tend to get nervous anyway. It doesn't matter if you're great numbers and you don't own anything. Just your numbers will begin to scare people. I can remember in the charismatic move of the spirit, there are so many outbreaks of people uh, getting saved and uh, especially in California and and uh, you would see I remember the Jesus movement where people would go on the beach and baptize people and all that kind of stuff and and the world started to take note and the people started to uh, walk the streets and preach and all of that well at the same time the enemy looked at that and saw what a threat it was to his plan for humanity and that is to take as many people to hell as quickly as he can before the Christians can get the truth into them and they can make a decision for Christ. So that's when you saw the rise of all the cults like the Hare Krishnas and all of these and they tried to lump the Christians into the same uh, category calling them Jesus freaks and all of that kind of stuff. And so you see where the enemy always has a plan to uh, abort what God wants to do to uh, kill the seed royal to kill the children that are being come that are coming into the kingdom for their time and their season and their hour and to stop the move the mighty move lest we multiply and take over the world and that's what the devil is really frightened of he's frightened of Not so much one little lone Christian that wants to do something or two, but he's frightened about multitudes of us. Because he knows the Bible too. He sees the greater work scripture. And he knows that if we are allowed to do what we do without any interference, the greater works will outdo his small works. So Christians that are eager to serve God and eager to please God are a big threat to him. And this is what they had during the Jesus movement. There is a great move of people for the baptism in the Holy Spirit like never before. And so you would find groups of individuals that were skilled at having meetings where you could go in, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, understand what praying in tongues was, And many people would just come in and out of these meetings, in and out, in and out, getting filled with the Spirit and leave. And I always ask the Lord, I said, God, what about these people going and not seemingly not doing anything with it? And he said, well, don't worry about that. He said, because if I am with you in in ministering the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to people, he said, I know what I'm doing. He said, and I have a draft system that these people won't be able to dodge. He said, I know where each and every one of them is. And when it's time for me to call them into service, I know how to call them into service. Amen. As the head of the church, he has all wisdom and all knowledge. So our job really as believers is merely to minister the grace of God to people, to empower people, 
with the word of God, to empower people with the knowledge of God. All of the things that we do, we are supposed to do, and let God be concerned about the next step with those individuals. <clears throat> so, he said to the people, these people are, are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply And it come to pass that where there falls out any war, they join unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters. This was strategy number one of the devil, is to make life hard for you as a believer. If your life is hard, you won't have a lot of energy left to serve God. You'll be so consumed with how am I going to pay my bills and when, you know, one paycheck isn't enough. Let me go get a part-time job on top of the, the regular one that I have now. That's setting a taskmaster over you to make life hard for you. Anything that he can do to keep you from living the life of faith, that's what he wants you to do. Because faith says, God is my provider. God, if you need me to go work two jobs, I'm willing to do it. But I'm expecting you to provide for me so that when I need time to go to church, I can go to church. When I need time to worship, I can worship. When I need time to go to conference, I can do those things. Those are the things that you put me here in the earth to do. You did not put me here to work for Pharaoh 24-7 and to be concerned about everything. I was thinking about, uh, you know, for years, I, I think about it, I put it off, think about it, put it off. <laughs> I, just, I never knew I was that kind of person. I used to dislike those kind of people. Now I am that kind of people. Like I used to say that about people and their pets, you know. I said, I, said, I think we're those kind of people now. <laughs> but anyway, but I've been going back and forth. I know at some point I'm going to need a new car. And uh, I put it off and, you know, with one excuse after another. And uh, I said, well, God, if I wait long enough, then they can just drive me to the funeral home in this one. You know, that kind of stuff. Whatever. Got cobwebs on it, but, you know, we dust them off. (laughs) Then I went through the thing. Well, that was the last thing my husband bought me. They cost him some blood. <laughs> you know, it's kind of dear to my heart for that. <laughs> and brother was sweating over that. <laughs> he told me he was going to get me. He said, they make a Cadillac this. I said, uh, 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 uh. when you started off like they make one that, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, just to see the, well, you know what I'm saying. It's okay. Female trick. You all know this. <laughs> but anyhow, I use that as an excuse. And so recently I've just been telling the Lord, I said, well, God, if I'm going to do these things, when am I going to do them? And when am I going to? And I thought about it. I said, I'll drive, buy a new car just in time for somebody else to drive me around. Miss <laughs> Daisy to pull Miss Daisy's license and stuff like that. So I said, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And so it, it just sometimes it takes a lot of maneuvering and a lot of changing on the inside of us to nail ourselves down to make the decision to do exactly what God wants to do. And see, God will birth these things in you and you'll conceive them 
And then natural situations will make you want to not have the baby. You got what I'm yes. saying? To, to not go through delivery, all that kind of stuff. And so it, it, it really is important for us to understand that if God conceives life in you, if he puts an idea, a dream, something like that on the inside of you, he pays the obstetrician. He pays the delivery bill. He'll hold your hand through the labor. He'll get you there on time. All that kind of stuff. He will take care of it because he is the father and the author of everything good and perfect that comes in our lives. So he's a good and perfect father. He's an excellent midwife. Huh? You know, that people are, now everybody I'm sure want the Duggar girls to help them deliver their babies and stuff like, you know, they got that reputation now. So you want the best when you're involved in giving life. And that's what we should expect from God. We should expect the best assistance from, from the world and from other people. You know, never be ashamed to take help from the world because many times you're the door to blessing for those people. You got me? They won't be blessed unless a Christian gets involved in their lives in a good way. And so we have to realize these things are very, very important and necessary if we're going to get what what God wants for us and and see success in these things. So don't let the taskmaster run your life. Don't let him oppress you to the point where, you know, you're you're stressed out at the delivery. You know what I'm saying? You got to you got to do the things that I remember when I was in nursing and it ain't been that long ago. Stop it. Whoever thought that thought, put it back. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, the old labor and delivery books and obstetrics books, they, you know, the mother was supposed to put her feet up two hours a day and get adequate rest and all. It was nothing about going from your job to the delivery room and then going back in a couple. It wasn't. Come on now. It was important for the mother to bond with the baby and set aside time to make sure that taking care of that life was taken care of. That's the most important thing that there is, is taking care of that life. Now the women's lib people give you all these stories. Well, in Ethiopia, women will go out into the fields and then have those babies and be out in the field. No, we ain't in in no Ethiopia. (laughs) We don't live like that. You know, this thing is precious. This is God-ordained. This ain't something you just drop a baby and leave it and go someplace else. And God wants us to see what he puts in our hearts to possess and to conceive and to bring forth and to bring life. And all that it is precious and important to him that that dream be taken care of. That it have life. That it survive. Not just survive, but thrive. So they set taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. That's the main purpose of the devil against a Christian, to afflict you constantly, keep you constantly under pressure. You know, you can pray a prayer and be believing God for a miracle or or something wonderful, and he'll come up to you and have something to say about it. You know, well, you didn't pray to him, did you? You didn't ask him in your business, but he jumps in it anyway. You know, you, you believe in God, you, you, oh, and don't get your confession going. I don't care if you get it going right, just as between you and your mirror. You know what I'm saying? In the morning, Lord, I thank you that I am disease free. What about that? What about that? 
<laughs> what about that toenail that ain't looking that's looking funny sitting crooked on your foot? You know all that kind of stuff. That toenail been looking funny for years. <laughs> what are you doing looking at it? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> You, you you got me? He just puts himself in your business anyway. So he always has something to say about us, to afflict us, to make us feel bad about ourselves, to make us feel that we're not worthy for whatever it is that God wants us to do. Whatever God tells you that is his plan for your life, it's going to sound wonderful because it is wonderful. You got me? He's going to make it sound good to us because it is good. Because he's in it and he intends for it. And it will be the best thing that will happen to you in your life when you know you're fulfilling the call of God that he has for you. It's a glorious thing. So all prophecies sound wonderful because they are wonderful. Because of who promises them to you. And the devil hears that and he can't stand it. He goes, well, who do you think you are? Doing all that stuff for God. But see, these prophets, they don't be reading everything you've been doing because they didn't mention that. <laughs> give you a sidebar prophecy, you know, something, something on the side, to, you know, a side dish to have along with the word. You don't need no side dish with the word of God. You just take what, what he gives you and, and, you know, just receive what God has for you. And expect God to, to bring it up again with you, you know, and you deal with him on it. And God, you told me I'm going to do this and that. And so I want to I want to let you know I'm ready and just keep me going on this. And what's the next step, et cetera, et cetera. And do those things. Do those things. Sometimes people are looking for something that they think is wonderful. You've got to be careful of the difference between the way you see things and the way God sees things. God sees anything he gives his kids to do as wonderful. You got me? I don't care. There's no small thing to do in God. There's no big thing to do in God. There's the work that he calls you to. And so we don't judge the work that God puts one or or the other of us into. It's all wonderful work. You ask the person that got saved because of your testimony. You might have been that one person they spoke to. You didn't speak to multitudes, but they glad they know the Lord. You got me? If they really know, they're very glad to know the Lord. Praise God. So anyway, he says he set taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. So they started building the treasure cities for Pharaoh. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The more we're afflicted. The more we multiply and grow. It's called vindication, folks. See, God gets, he vindicates us. That's part of vindication. When we talk about God getting vengeance, if we leave it alone, he says, vengeance is mine, I will, what, repay. That means that if somebody does you good, he'll repay them for the good you do. If somebody afflicts you, he will repay them for that affliction. And one of the things that God does when we're afflicted is that he increases our numbers. And sometimes you'll be aware of the desire in you to go about and cause that increase to happen. 
He said, you know, devil, you've been worrying me all morning about this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask God to put somebody right in my path. Or I'm going to take my money and give it to them people that's always giving food away to poor people that's sitting on the corner. I'm going to give some money to that lady I see giving bread to people sitting under the bridge homeless. So, you know, you understand? I'm going through my closet and I'm going to get everything out of there that I don't need. And I'm going to give it to somebody who is touching the poor and giving to the poor. See, that's how our numbers increase. That's how our work increases. We don't bow down to the devil. When you see him doing his thing, you tell him, listen, my father has great things planned for me. I'm not somebody, I'm not some loser devil. And just to show you I'm not some loser, you got me? I've had a wonderful Christmas. And you know what? The devil has not been too much messing with me because I don't need that to get motivated. But I've been able to give in some place. You know how I give? I quit looking at how much money. I notice they, this ain't what they, the bankers tell you and all that. I quit looking at how much money I have in the bank. I just give. You got me? I was embarrassed two years ago. I called Walmart like two days before Christmas because they have, you know, that Good Samaritan thing. You pay somebody's layaway or something. Because I see people going in, taking stuff out. That they put away for their children because they didn't have the money. So God busted me on it two years in a row. He said, you better do this early. If you're going to do this, do it. You know what I'm saying? And So uh, it sounded like a husband <laughs> doing that thing. Uh, anywho, so I get up and move. And so I went in. And you know what God will do. Now, I was going to spend a certain amount of money. He made me triple it. Why? Missed three years. You got me? And I don't want to miss my blessing that I could have had three years. I was able to do that. I was able to send a a minister, friend of ours in India, a love offering. He never asked for anything. You know, a lot of those people, they're your Facebook friend and you see them foreign names. The first thing they do is send them some money. He never asked for anything. I've sent him money like once before. I've known him ten years. It was a blessing. A sweet gentleman that that uh, befriended me just through email. He was watching, the, looking on the website, and befriended me. And at the time, I was thinking, I said, God, I need somebody I can talk to that, you know, share things with, blah blah blah. And so he became my friend on the internet, and it it was he was just the sweetest gentleman. Nice words, very pleasant all the time, blessing me. Oh, my dear sister, the father has such love for you, and you have a brother in India who prays for you. And you know, just wonderful. And never hitting on nobody. You understand what I'm saying? And you need to understand that God will put the right person in your life at the right time. And so the other day, a couple of weeks ago, I, he's on Facebook now, and I saw a lady. And her daughter on there. And I said, oh, I saw your wife and your daughter. He said, I'm not married. I'm called to be single. See, God will put the right person in your life for the right. Called to be single. That means you don't hit on me. I don't hit on you. We can be friends. And it's all good. You got me? And so these things are important to note because so many of them out there hitting on people. I won't go through that. I'll spare you. <laughs> stalkers man anywho but but you know those are people you can open up your heart to people who have the right heart that God sends and ordains into your life for that reason 
So, okay, so the devil afflicts us and we multiply like babies, kids. We don't die, we multiply. See? That's what we do. So it's like, okay, devil, you're going to be the loser out of this. So you don't get nervous and you don't listen to him. And you don't, you know, if there's something between you and God that needs straightened out, you get it straightened out. Trust me. If there's God didn't bring up anything, then you don't bring it up. You got me? (laughs) Because we're under conviction when we know that we're distant from God or we've done something wrong. And so you, the finger points at you real quick when you've done something wrong. But the devil knows how to dredge things up that sound credible to you. Because he knows you always respond to this because you're sensitive to it. So he keeps working the same old program with us over and over and over again. The same old lies. Same old, oh, you shouldn't do that because, you know, you, 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 just don't, you just don't treat people right sometimes. You know, you kind of distant, kind of cold and kind of... <laughs> Dag devil. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, how can you be all of that? There's sometimes when you show love, there might be sometimes you don't feel like being bothered with people. Everybody's like that. But you understand what I'm saying. He kind of heats it on. He, he finds a little bit of room to get in the door and then he kind of piles it on on top of you. God doesn't pile things on us. He removes things from us. He knows you can't function with a bunch of condemnation all over you and nonsense in your life. So he lightens our burden. He eases up our responsibility. He's able to do those things because he wants us to live a carefree life. So they afflicted them. They built treasure cities. But the more they afflicted him, the more they multiplied. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. In other words, they tripled up on the pressure. When, God, when the enemy knows that God has your heart... This is something that's very important for you to understand. When God has your heart, when you want to obey God, when you want to do the will of God, when you want to cooperate with things, he will double and triple up on the affliction. Look at Miriam Ibrahim, the woman in uh, the Sudan, was it? and, And she loved God with all of her heart. So the enemy decided he was just going to threaten her life if she didn't renounce Christ. So that's the extreme of affliction where you've got to believe God for your very life. And she went through a very difficult pregnancy, labor and delivery in prison. And God saw her through it and he got her through it because what he conceives will live. If you stay with God, you've got to stay with God on this thing. So they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, verse 14, and mortar and brick, all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. And he told them, when you do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, she shall live. Well, that's easy for you to say because you don't have to do it yourself. See, the enemy's always sending suicide notices to us. Well, God doesn't mean you. You you can't do those things. That's a suicide note. Because we 
take it in and we stop doing what God told us to do because we believe that. You see what I'm saying? So he's always sending those notices to us, you know, all just telling us that we can't do it. Kill the dream. That wasn't God. Look how long it's taking. That's the other thing. Can't be God because it wouldn't take that long. It's 100% God, no matter how long it takes. God can work quick. He can work in the middle. He can work slow. But it's always what you don't put a time on him. You don't make him punch in and punch out when you want him to do things in your life. You just give it over to God and you trust him that when he does that thing, it'll get done. But we have to make sure we cooperate with him. Because our biggest problem is lack of cooperation with the plan of God. We'll say, well, you know, if God meant that, he would do so and so and such and such. No, he meant it. And he's doing as much as he's supposed to do. You're going to have to do some of this. God told me he was going to do this for me. Well, maybe he will, but he's working on this right now. What you going to do about this right here in your face? And so there are many, many ways that God brings about what he has conceived in our hearts. And we have to trust him through all things. You're going to have to trust him through affliction. You're going to have to trust him through tears. You're going to have to trust him through finding out you weren't trusting him. That's embarrassing. You know, preachers get that all the time. We preach all this stuff and, you know, you go home, you say, huh. Another good one. Oh, that word was so tight. It was right, right in the cut. You know? And then you start looking at you look in the mirror, you say, what? Say, what, God? Say, what? I found out, you know, after my husband passed away, I was trusting him for everything, not trusting God. That hurt because I felt God hurt. And I never felt God hurt before. You got me? There's some things that we think we're standing. The Bible says when you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. Got me? He's got all kinds of surprises in store for us, folks. You just keep living. But he wants us to be successful. He forgives us. You know what I'm saying? It's, but but it's, there are certain things in your relationship with the Lord. There's got to be 100% total trust. Like Job said, though he, he slay me, yet will I trust him. You got me? You've got to understand, God, if I never get that, I'm going to keep serving you anyway. If this doesn't come through, I'm still, my, my serving you does not depend upon any material thing, any person you bring in my life, any person you take out of my life, it's just none of it. It doesn't depend on any of that. So you've got to be 100% sold out. And so God was developing a sold out people through the nation of Israel. Sometimes he's blessing you because of your potential. He doesn't have to bless you because of what you did right. Or what you quit doing because you're a Christian. I mean, he, he blesses sometimes what he sees you coming into later on in your life. He has to bless you for that reason. Has to bless you. So you can see his care over the nation of Israel. And they're not even really a nation yet. They don't have the law. They don't have a priesthood. They don't have anything. 
But he has to see that, that these things, they survive so that he can bring these things to him. They have yet to walk in that promise. And so he tells them to kill the, the, the men. If it's a daughter, she'll live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. So that's why they multiply. They got girls saved and boys saved. See, in Egyptian culture, women weren't worth much. But in God's mind, they are. He just makes them triple fertile compared to the Egyptian women. huh? And they increase and they multiply anyway. So here, and it's amazing to me how long the midwives were able to tell this story and get away with it. Huh? For generations they were able to do this. Oh no, you, you know what? Us Hebrew women, see we like these, y'all Egyptian women is slow. And Pharaoh said, yeah they is slow because I got three of them and they don't, you know, between the three of them I can't get no work done. You know what I'm saying? They agree with that stuff. And so they're able then to preserve the men and preserve the nation and preserve the gift, preserve the calling, preserve the focus, preserve the intent, the call. All of that is preserved. And so he says <clears throat> they feared God. And that's why they said it. They feared God. And they didn't do as the king said. But they saved the men, children alive. And the king of Egypt, uh, king of Egypt called them again. And he said, what are you doing? The midwife said, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian. They're lively. They have these babies before we get there. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and increased very mightily. And he gave them fertility themselves, the midwives. The midwife was the barren woman who had to kind of work for a living. She was expected to help. Because she didn't have, most women were occupied with raising their children. And because she didn't have children, she was expected to help those who were bearing. Whatever you sow into somebody else's life, God will bless your life with the thing that you desire. You understand what I'm saying? He will bless you for blessing his people. And so then the midwives started to have children of their own. So here we got barren women becoming fertile. and Women whose Sometimes, too, it, it's God has, you know, God in the Bible, he'll shut the womb of somebody if your children are appointed for a specific time. And you see, Christian women have to get used to this mentality of thinking. Because there are times when you might go through seasons of, well, you know, I think I'm supposed to get married. I think I'm supposed to my biological. You don't, you don't have no biological clock. You're on God's time. You know, biology and all of that. I mean, it's good to keep in mind. Now, you don't want to press it. If your faith is very small to begin with, you don't want to have to do what Sarah and Abraham did. You understand what I'm saying? It takes, you might take, you might have real good faith in your 20s and 30s and your 40s. You're kind of pushing it in your 50s. So, you know, get to praying. Let's <laughs> always be praying. You understand what I'm saying? But sometimes God will close your womb, because if you're a Christian, he might have, because of your gift that's in you, he'll put that same gift in your offspring, and that gift may be needed 20 years down the road and not right now. You understand what I'm saying? And so you have to stay with God's time. You have to. And you have to consider it a blessing to be on his time schedule. It's not a burden to you. 
to have to, you know, you ain't doing nothing nowhere. You, you know what I'm saying. I mean, women get nervous about it. I said, well, are you dating? Do you have any? Nah, I don't have no boyfriend. Well, don't get upset about it, okay? When the boyfriend comes or somebody looks a decent prospect, then we'll start getting concerned about it. All nervous and worried. Ain't nobody a prospect on the horizon. And You know what I'm saying? Just chill. Chill. It'll happen. It's in God's plan for you. If it's in your heart to be married and have children, it will happen because it's in God's plan for you. Especially you young women who are, are saved already. You got it made. You can enjoy yourself, enjoy your, your happy, saved, single life. And then just believe God, but believe He's going to have, please. <laughs> you know, so many things. Let me just skip that and go on, all right? So. So many things. It would take days. That's why I'm glad we don't have women's meetings. <laughs> they would be a hot mess. <laughs> we don't have no men around to put you in check. Right. Anywho. <laughs> so God increased the midwives, gave them children. Pharaoh charged all his people, verse 22, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river. You obey God anyway. The devil doubles down on his strategy against you. You got me? He doubles down on his strategy. Sometimes he will lure people with promises of things that that they never see happen. Just because he wants to distract you and keep you from obeying God and being in the place where God wants you to be when when you're supposed to be there. And so we have to understand that the enemy is always there to put something in our way. If it's not affliction where he confronts us and and threatens us and, and demeans us and puts us down and puts us under mental torture and all that kind of stuff, then he'll double down on it and say, okay, if you if you you know you you saved yourself from that, I'm gonna try this over here. There's always something else in his little bag of tricks that he can pull out, but God. Amen. God will be the one to to come for you and help you. So anyway, the plot against your life. The enemy wanted to kill you at birth. But God allowed you to be conceived. But he wanted to kill you in the birthing process. Whenever the plan for your born again life was coming into to vision and coming into fruition before God, the enemy had plans to divert you from that. Some people he attacked with uh, drug addiction, some people alcoholism, some people just really depraved lives to see if he could keep you so far away from God that you would never find your way there. But God, God sends a midwife. Somebody to assist you, somebody to pray for you, somebody to take you to a meeting, somebody to help you get there. Amen. So that this this office of the midwife is extremely important in God's kingdom because there we're everywhere. Everybody who is a believer is a potential midwife to somebody who has a vision of God and has a plan of God and knows how to get that plan in operation, they just need some, some things here and some things there, some things in place so that they can be assisted and guided into fulfilling what God wants you to do. A midwife is not somebody 
who takes over and runs your life. It's not somebody with a, a personal interest in anything that, that, that you're doing. It's somebody who can totally give themselves over to the plan of God for you, just like a regular midwife would be. If you don't go into labor, they don't have no job to do. You got me? So if you're not focused on life and presenting life, you don't need them. You got me? But there are many people who would try to work their way into your life to divert you early on in your walk from getting to the point of conception and then to the point of delivery. Amen? They want to be involved in that so they can abort the call. They want to be involved in your life and take from you so that they can keep you from getting to where that life gets conceived. And when it's real important for you to get everything that you are into it, they can keep you from getting to that birthing place. Because they've already diverted you. If you don't get yourself fed with the right nutrients, you won't carry a healthy baby. If you don't get yourself fed with the right word, you won't carry the promise of God to its fruition. You've got to be where God tells you to be. There's a right place to be and a wrong place to be as far as being able to uh, develop your spirit so that God can use you and do the things that he wants to do in your life. There are people who, who get involved in churches and ministries just for the hype and the show. And see, there's nothing that's, that's bringing that, that life, health, and bringing it nourishment. Those eggs are drying up and dying on the vine because they can't get a connection to God to conceive anything. There are many people who are called. Everybody who is born again is called to greatness in God. But if you're not nurtured the right way and you're not taught the right way and you don't submit yourself to teaching, you don't submit yourself to the discipline of the word of God. None of that, it won't grow. It won't come to maturity. But there are people who are the false midwives. I always want to keep you doing something else when you should be doing the word. When you should be in church. When you should be studying. When you should be praying. When you should be with your prayer partner. All that kind of stuff. They try and divert you from doing that. To keep you from ever bringing any, any kind of life inside of you. People don't understand why they're depressed or they're anxious or they're upset or they feel unfulfilled. It's because they're not doing anything that's conducive to life. See, you've got to you've got to put life on the inside of you for that life to grow. You know, you you just it's just so necessary. You see countries where people babies are born with birth defects because of a vitamin deficiency in the mother. And it just takes one simple pill or one simple type of plant or something like that to bring a healthy normal child into the world and it's just that small little thing that they miss that's necessary that they don't get so like us there are some things that are necessary for us as believers to have so that we can see what we call the move of God and everybody wants to be involved in the move of God. I don't know if people really want it or it's just the right thing to say that they want to be involved in it. But you need people who can assist you in, in getting yourself prepared so that you can be in a position now to bring forth. You need strength to bring forth in labor. You know, you, there ain't no C-sections in the realm of the spirit. 
You got me? That's not a that's not a thing that God does. He has strength to bring you forth the right way. A full term and a, a healthy uh, call of God, a healthy vision, a healthy promise. Whatever God's promised you, it'll be full term and it'll be healthy. Nobody wants a baby on life support. That's such a disappointment to a parent. You know, I know every parent that that, that thinks about having their child, they you they put a healthy baby in your arms, you count them ten fingers, ten toes, and we off to the races. You success, you got me? You don't envision standing over an incubator with tubes everywhere and all that kind of stuff. Well, God doesn't either. He doesn't want a limping bride, a, a body of Christ that can't do anything, that can't strive and be on her own, that can't be strong and, and, and support others. You know, we're supposed to be the strength of God here in the earth. We're the people everybody is seeking after because we know God. And we, he wants us to be strong. He wants us to be the people that he can call on and that, that we know who we are. And we answer to that call. And we do what God has called us to do. So the midwife. I had some notes here about what, it's, what a good midwife is. <laughs> People who fear God. When you know that God's called you and you all know that. Oh, I had a couple of amens. That's okay. You know it now. You are to surround yourself with people who fear God, just like those midwives. Respect God. You don't want to be around people who play with God, people who make jokes about God. I'm just very disappointed with a lot of what I see on television, you know, especially on channels like BET. And, you know, as much as God has done for African-American people, you know, if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't even be here. You know, I mean, come on now. Now we get get to the place where we have some material things. Now we want to make fun of church people all the time or show them in a negative light and all this kind of stuff. Parading the worst of the body of Christ before humanity just so we can get a rating or get uh, some more money or get somebody chills running up and down somebody's leg or something. And it's it's very disheartening to see that that, you know, you could you can go from such a place of such elevation as far as God has elevated us as a people. You know, when the white man was playing basketball all the time, they didn't make no money. See, this is God blessing coming upon a people who were once enslaved. Who are now free and we're getting our back pay from all the years of slavery. Now you can't tell me it's that interesting to bounce a ball around where you can get, but God will do it. He'll tell people, put your millions in here. You know, sponsors, come on, put all your money in here because this is something right here. See, when God tells you it's something, he makes it something. You see somebody like Oprah Winfrey, you know, and all she got is a mouth. I do the same thing she does. I do it better. Because it's anointed. You understand what I'm saying? But we all can talk. You got me? We can all hire somebody to put makeup on us and, you know, well, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. And all that kind of stuff. Some better than others, of course. But, you know, she had the best people to fix her up and prop her up there in front of that camera. 
And she's making billions and billions, but she will argue with you that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. Hmm? So it's kind of a heartbreaker to see where we come from and see the blessing of God come in our lives and what we're doing with the blessings of God. Being unfaithful to God. But you surround yourself with people who fear God and people who are faithful to God. You'll always be successful. You'll always be a person who can... um, receive help from God. He'll put in your mind somebody that can give you an answer, can pray for you, can pray with you. Whatever it is that you need, you'll get the 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 midwife will be there to assist you in your own labor. Not do labor for you, but assist you in your own labor. This is something I'm glad we've always taught in this ministry. I I have people to call me and uh, or send me an email. I need prayer. Where you live in Cleveland? Go to the meeting. <laughs> this ain't no prayer service, you know. But I know many people who run their ministries like that, just praying for people, praying for. No, teach them to pray themselves. You live down. You can drive down here. You pray for yourself because you need to be getting empowered so you can help somebody else and not be a limping, whining Christian all of your life. Many dreams die because the birth is difficult and nobody assists them. Huh? Many dreams die like that. Because there is, is difficulty, sometimes tragedy, sometimes things that it's just one, one affliction after another on people. And sometimes they feel they can't take it and they can't handle it and they just want to quit. And so they need somebody who will come alongside of them and tell them one more push. Huh? One more push. One more push. Now, you know, women who have had children, you know they say that to you about 50 times. Huh? (laughs) But it's always one more push, you got me? That's all you really need. Is one more and the baby lives a little bit longer. One more gets a little further down the birth. One more. Huh? Praise God. Uh, God sends a midwife. But just like the, the midwives of, of Israel, the devil will give them another idea. So you have to be careful of double-minded people. Well, I know God told you that you're going to do this, that, and that. But maybe he meant it's a double-minded midwife. You have to be careful about people who will try to make it too easy for you. Before they they had the uh, resurgence of natural childbirth and all that kind of stuff, um, they were really, really heavy in narcotics with women who were delivering babies because... The doctor who the, that you went to that, that the women had the least pain, everybody wanted to. You got popular as an obstetrician because they, oh, yeah, you go ahead. You know what I'm saying? What happened was it prolonged the labor. Be careful of people who will let you off the hook and tell you you don't have to do this. God will still bless you. 
You don't have to live right. God will mm-hmm. You don't have to get married. God will give you a baby and let you have. Look at so and so. She had a baby. She ain't married. You be careful of people that tell you that kind of stuff, huh? Because we had a lot of doped up babies that you know. You know, some doctors were notorious for them. You know, I <clears throat> I remember I didn't work work in labor and delivery, but that was kind of like if you if you had some downtime. I worked in emergency teams a lot at first responders in the hospital, and sometimes you got tired of smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and <laughs> room waiting for somebody to get almost dead so you can get up and go do. And so you just browsed around the hospital. We liked labor and delivery because you got to see life. And you saw babies, and they were so cute. And so you would get up there, and some of them, you know, sometimes the, the you knew a baby had, there was a difficult labor. Maybe you had assisted them or something. You how's that baby doing? Well, doing real good. You come over and see, you know, that kind of stuff. But there was several doctors that their babies would sleep for like 72 hours after. You got me? Doped up babies. Who's that baby ordered, doctor? Oh, Lord, have him again. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Huh? Making it too easy for you. Whatever God requires from you, he'll help you to face it. He'll walk through it with you. He will give you encouragement through it. It will not be too tough for you. You won't die because of it. You won't come up short believing God for something. He won't disappoint you. You don't have to be doped up in this life with a bunch of, well, you know, uh, you know God's going to bless you with $50. There's an anointing on here for money in this place. All this kind of stuff. There's always an anointing on me for money. You got me if I need it. My needs are supplied. I'm not looking for money. I'm looking for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking for him. You have to be careful of people. They swing both ways. Sometimes people can start out with good intentions. They want to help you. But if it seems like they're over their heads, your problem is over their heads. They'll try to let you wiggle out of it instead of saying, you know what, I really don't have an answer for you. Why don't you pray about it some more and see if your pastor or somebody else, if they have an answer for you. You young people know y'all do that. Your little friends get in trouble and you can't tell them. You bring them to church. Come on, go to church with me. I'll get my pastor to pray for you. There's always somebody up the chain a little bit. The best assist is the one who can cooperate with God's plan and give you assistance where needed. They know the timing of God. You know, if you if you put the wrong pressure on the baby at the wrong time, it won't be good for the baby. If you put the wrong pressure on your vision or your dream at the wrong time, it won't be good for your vision or your dream. So the best type of assistance you can get is the person that knows how to apply the pressure and when. When it's time for your, your, your miracle to come into fruition, when it's time for when God is releasing finances to you. You know, Pastor Shirley told me recently, we all know that God uses her a lot like this. She has a lot of compassion for people uh, where their finances and their employment is concerned. 
And, and she told me recently that God told her to tell several people to expect money to come. And they received what God had for them. Well, that's somebody who knows how to get in there with you, but she can't go get your money for you. you got to expect it yourself and believe God has it for you. There's some labor you must do in order to get that. I notice she never gets words about people who don't have any labor involved in their life. You've got to be in labor to bring the... Amen. Am I, you know what I'm saying? God says he'll prosper the work of your hands. You've got to be working to be expecting God to bring you something. Come on now. You ain't working. Don't be sitting up mad at nobody because you don't have any. Go, go let set your hands to what God tells you to set them to so he can bless you. A good midwife has no personal involvement other than the skill needed to pull you through. They, don't, they shouldn't be asking you for your money in exchange for a prayer. They shouldn't be asking you for money in exchange for a prophecy. They shouldn't be asking you. They should have no personal investment. This person is outside of you but a part of you for this moment when you have to get your vision and your dream into the earth. And only then. When that job is done, then they go on and do something else. You know, it was wonderful when it lasted, but it's over now. You have your vision, you have your dream, go about it, do the work God has called you to do, and be blessed in it. So no personal involvement other than the skill needed to assist you to bring about your dream or your vision. The plan is between you and God. You've got to get with God and get your own plan for your life. Some of you are afraid of asking God what his plan is for you. Quit doing that. That comes from having a, a conscience that's full of darkness. Because if you don't expect good from God, you need to get over into a place where righteousness starts to take over in your soul. And you can expect good. You can expect him to help you. You can expect it because you have, you lo- he loves you and you have evidence of that. If you don't have evidence of that, you need to ask God to show you these things. Show you how he feels about you. Don't be afraid to go to him. Because if you don't trust him, you're going to wind up trusting the devil's people. Or somebody that's sent to you as a false midwife who wants to encourage you in the wrong thing, wants to get you going on something stupid, wants to hinder your life in some big way. So you are compelled to trust God. When things start going bad, don't wait till they go bad because of, of bad connections in life. Sever those ties. Ask God to sever them. If you don't know how to get rid of people, ask God to get rid of them for you. He'll do it every time. He'll get the wrong ones out. Sometimes people will take a dislike to you and your feelings get hurt. But that's God severing the wrong people from you. One of the things you need to know, the people who assist you will be blessed by God. God will take care of those people. Because they have spoken into your life. They have helped you in some way. They have encouraged you in some way. They know God is their reward. And they feel good about helping you. 
that's a, a, a good midwife has no interest in anything material coming out of you. They don't want your baby. They don't want to steal anything from you. They don't want you understand what I'm saying. You take your baby, you go home, be happy, take care of it. And don't call me no more because their job is over. You understand what I'm saying? So, so you can live happily ever after. There's no more strings attached. There's, you know, we just do what we do and move on. And that's the way you do as a believer. You do what you do and you move on. They know God is their reward. So when God moves somebody to help you, they, they are not aware of how much time it takes. They're not aware of how much effort it takes. They're not aware of, they're not concerned about complications coming into your labor. And it might take them more than the time. They have set aside everything to help you in what God wants you to do. It's a generous uh, type of a gift to have. We all have that. We all have a bit of it. There are some people that you know that you've labored with over the years. You've helped them over and over and over again. Some people don't seem to move a muscle or move an inch or even really respect what you tell them. But you've got to do it anyway. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for the life that they carry and for the sake of what God has told you. Everybody's valuable to God. One of the things that God has, has helped me to do, I have a love for the gifts of God. I don't care what they say, they minister, whatever, I don't care. You know, God has given me a love for the gifts of God, and that goes along with the prophet's office. Because prophets had schools where they taught everybody. They taught sons of prophets who thought they were next in line for everybody, you know, for every good thing, and elbowed their way up and all that kind of stuff. It didn't bother with teaching, you got me? They taught people who were, were helpers to the ministry they taught the priesthood all of those people without any differentiation between big people little people I could care less you know if your name's on television mine is too on the internet I am too you understand what's the name written in the Lamb's book of life mine is too and so that's all that's important to me but it, it occurs to me that people somehow miss the connections that God wants them to have. Yeah. And it, 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 this thing about, you know, it, when people, sometimes when people meet me, prophets especially, they'll say, um, well, God sees you not as just a handmaid. You're not only a handmaid. And I hear them say that sometimes. Yeah. Because that's what they see primarily in me because I have a love and I understand the difficulty. Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. In getting your gift birth, getting your ministry birth, all that kind of stuff. I understand that. And I understand that these people need help with that very thing. And I see people get derailed all the time on dumb stuff. You know, crazy things. Things that you think wouldn't, wouldn't affect them. But the devil finds a way to get in there. He knows exactly what it is. Where you're weak. He knows where you would quit. He knows where you would get. He knows all those things. And he's able to derail people. So my prayer for, for the rest of the time that I have to minister to people is that I would be on time and I would be faithful to allow people to receive what they need from God through us, through this ministry, through myself, 
and also to be able to give even more so that they can get back the time that they feel has been wasted. Get back some of that energy. And so by impartation then, we're able to make sure that people get to that next push. You know, you just take them from one push to the next push. Even though you may see at the end of the whole thing how glorious it is, you can't push them too hard or too fast or too boom. You understand what I'm saying? Because they would love to give you one big open that drip of, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They open it up enough, you know, that oxy that makes you go into labor, boom, 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 boom. They'd love to open that up on you. But God won't let it happen because there's something there that he wants you to experience Every pain, every push, you understand what I'm saying? The whole thing. They don't want you to miss nothing. But And that's true in the realm of the spirit even more. Because out of that comes your testimony. Out of that comes your empowerment to help the next one that you have to midwife and assist to come through the way they're supposed to come through. See, but prophets, anybody in the prophet's ministry has this ability. You can, you can do this as, as somebody who just knows God. Because you understand, you see the value of what people carry, not what they look like. You see what I'm saying? It's what they carry. And what God reveals to you is their worth and value to Him. Sometimes you'll see people, amen. You'll see people with, with things in them and you're overwhelmed. Sometimes I could cry for the things that I see. That people are capable of, they have no, they have no clue what's in there, you see. They have no clue. And I only get a glimpse of it, and I, it brings me to tears. You understand what I'm saying? But you have to, to do it, you have to be there and do what God tells you to do. Tell them as much as he tells you to tell them. So that they're not overwhelmed and taken aback. But then you have to assist in making sure that gets... Out there where God wants it to get. Very important, folks, work that we're called to do. Very important. To assist the gifts of God. To assist the people of God. To assist the bride in preparing herself as a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. That's us. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, for understanding. Amen. Whatever you conceive will live. Amen. Whatever you conceive will live. And we thank you that that's us. Father, we are lively stones. Built upon upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You, Jesus, being the chief cornerstone. We thank you that we are chips off the rock. Thank you, Lord. We are imitators of Christ. I thank you, Father, for blessing us to know who we are. And to act in accordance with that. And we praise you. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If anybody.